Welcome to episode two of the Syndemic Nerds podcast. Our topic this time around is going to be underrated movies, and we've picked two movies each to do. And then after that, we're also going to review a new movie or a movie that we've watched recently and uh, recommend that one for you. Firstly, should we have a little bit of news? Right, sadly, we lost Ian Holm the other day. He played Bilbo Baggins. I was pretty, uh, oh, yeah, we did. I was pretty upset about that one. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the director Joel Schumacher, who brought us films such as Batman and Robin, classic, mm. Phone Booth, and Lost Boys. And this one made me think of you, Lewis, for the casting. What's Michael that? Michael Keaton reprising his role as Batman for the Flash movie. Oh no! I've just yeah, I read it this week, and I'm I'm interested to see what. Apparently, he's going to be a mentor, like a mentor. Oh, right. So they're just, I don't know what's going on with Justice League in DC. Yeah, but it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of an April Fool's one, that really, isn't it? When you mm. think about it. Uh, Not sure yet. Another weird one was Ewan McGregor has also been cast to play Jiminy Cricket in New Pinocchio. Is that Disney, How? is it? Was a Netflix one? I think there's a couple coming out, actually, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's one. I, ca- I can. S- <sighs> Would he do it? He just. For it's, the Disney version? I don't know, but it sounds uh, it's an interesting one. Mm. And then the most interesting bit of news I uh, came across, which you probably already know, Lewis, is Margot Robbie uh, is now going to be part of the Pirates of the Caribbean universe. Yeah, I'm well excited. Do you know what? <laughs> if you told me that beforehand, I'd have been like, what's going on here? Once I heard it, I thought, do you know what? It could actually be really good. Yeah, it'd be really good. It'd be a nice change from what Pirates of the Caribbean has been. My only doubt about it, and it's not going to sit well with you, I don't think, is that it's by the writer of the Birds of Prey movie. Oh, no, I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, see, I wasn't a massive fan, but I knew you liked that one. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it was fun. I think they're just going to make it fun then. Yeah, it's got to be, isn't it? It's that kind of, that kind of movie. But yeah. finally... A movie update. This is the best bit of news ever. You're going to get really excited at this one. Okay. Chicken Run 2 is going to be coming to Netflix when that's eventually hey, made. I can't wait. So we look forward to that one. See if Mel Gibson's uh, reprises as well. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. He's in a bit of hot water at the moment. Isn't he? So, a bit of hot water. You never know. They let him off last time, but anyway. Less of that. <laughs> Should we get started on our underrated movies then? Okay. And I will go first on this one if you like. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Firstly, before I start, I'm just going to give some honourable mentions that I nearly picked but didn't. So it was quite. I found it quite difficult this one. I don't know about you guys. I found it very but, difficult. Um, so my honourable mentions then. I'm going to say first, Revenge of the Sith. I nearly picked that. I think that's underrated. Uh, I think that's a great Star Wars film like compared to the other prequels. Uh, yeah. Road to El Dorado, which was like a DreamWorks movie. don't know if yeah. you've really seen that. I love that. Hook with Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Disney version. That's a good choice. That would have been... Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. and then two other Disney ones I nearly picked were Pocahontas and Fox and the Hound. Okay, so a lot oh, of Disney. Fox and the Hound. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think it's a it's a classic one. It's it's emotional, but I didn't pick that. 
my first choice, similar but different to those, is animated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's DreamWorks. And I think it's one of the early DreamWorks ones. I don't know if it was that or Ants that came out first, but it's um, The Prince of Egypt is the one that I've picked. Okay. As an underrated oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Right. I've obviously got a theme of picking dark movies at the moment because it is a pretty dark movie. Bearing in mind well, it's a kids film. Films. So if you don't know the story, it goes along the lines of the Ten Commandments with Moses. Firstly, I've got to mention the voice talents in this one. Like, it'll blow your socks off. So, you've got Val Kilmer, Ray Fiennes, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover, Patrick Stewart, Helen Mirren, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. Like, that's a massive cast. That's a decent cast. It's just, it's crazy. So, anyway, on to the story itself. So we know we know the basics, don't we? But at the start, the Hebrew newborn babies, they're ordered to be executed. It's a big... Uh, again, like I said, you can't believe that it's a kid's movie when you look at it. And I think that's partly why it might be one of those underrated ones, because you're not going to... You go to the cartoon films, it's not going to be one of your first choices to put on for the kids, is it really? No. And no. I'm, I'm surprised I saw it at the cinema, to be honest. I must have been scared out of my life. Mm. But... Um, yeah, it does start off quite dark. It's an in- it's an interesting story because obviously the mother ends up she puts him in a little basket and sends him down the river, hoping that someone will take him in. And he just happens to wind up at the palace and goes on. Well, at the time, what you think is a better life, but he's not with his um, he's not with his true people. And um, the bit a big one for this. For me, why I like it a lot is actually the soundtrack. The music's like amazing. You might know the main song for it is When You Believe. It's been done by a few different artists over mm-hmm. the years. Um, I think it actually won an Oscar as well. It is quite a moving film. I've watched it a lot over the years and it's they're powerful. I'm not actually a religious person at all, which is another reason why I thought it'd be interesting to pick this one because I don't think a lot of people that know me would probably uh, expect me to choose that. So I went for that one. 218 million at the box office as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not too bad, but I don't really know what in the 90s how good that would have been. It's probably still, there's probably still films earning a fair bit more than that. Mm-hmm. And I've also found an interesting fact it's actually banned in Egypt itself. Oh, interesting. oh no. I know, I thought well, I had to throw that in there. Yeah, and um, one thing I didn't mention about the music as well, it's probably one one of the most respected composers. Hans Zimmer did the music oh. for it. Yeah, and it has been made into a musical in London in recent years, which I wouldn't mind seeing to be honest. So maybe it's getting a little bit of um, praise, or it's got a cult following, maybe. But um, I still think that it would qualify for an underrated movie from me personally. Yeah. That's me staking a claim for it there. Have either of you guys seen it? Have you seen it, Lewis? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, what do you think? I can't really remember it, if I'm all honest with you. I remember a music sequence, uh, the villain song. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember a burning bush, but that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't... I, know, I, I, I wouldn't say it's my favourite animated film. 
That's fair. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike it, but I don't like it at the same time. It's it's uh-huh. it's, it's there, it exists. But I can see why in your you know, why you picked it. That's fair. Yeah, I mean it's not my favourite animated film. I've obviously got a lot more yeah. I'm a massive Disney fan, massive DreamWorks fan, Pixar, you know, you name it. I'm I'm a massive fan of it for animation, but mm. in this um category I thought do you know what? I'm gonna pick that one. Makes uh, sense. Have you seen it, Lana? Uh yes I have. Um yeah. I, yeah, I've seen it uh several times when I was a kid. I All right. think I owned it on a VHS tape as well. Um, I remember the music. It was really good. I remember the racing scene in the beginning as well. It was always quite exciting because it's it's really good animation. That's what, yeah, I mean. Horses and going down these cliffs and, yeah, it was really good. Um, And like with a lot of biblical stories in general, um, I don't know, maybe I'm a weirdo here, but I, I often feel sorry for the bad guys or the mm-hmm. ones that are supposedly bad. Because I find that, um, because again, with biblical stories, they're talking about different types of um, human flaws or character traits. And I find that in a lot of the uh, more negative characters, you find more human traits and you kind of, I don't know, you, sometimes you can relate to them a bit more but it, it was it's it's um from from what i remember of it it was a really uh moses had a really difficult choice because saying no to the family that raised him versus these people he's never met i don't know that that's a that's a really tough decision to make and when the answer is quite clear um I don't know. That's why sometimes I feel a bit sad for, you know, his family, no, how, no matter how flawed they are. But maybe um, I'm um, misremembering yeah, certain think, aspects of it, but it's it's tough. And that's what maybe makes it such a good film and an underrated one. Yeah, I can see what you mean with the family, because Ramesses feels really betrayed by Moses. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, he didn't really know any he'd been brought up in the palace i'm not sticking up for him but he didn't know any different really and no. moses finds his people so you can sort of see why Ramesses would feel that way he's grown up with him as a brother for however many years and then he just kind of ditches and runs but mm. at the same time like yeah you can see why moses does it and the the people of egypt are being mistreated by the hierarchy so yeah yeah, definitely two sides to the story, though. Yeah, and I think perhaps that's what makes it interesting, that you can see, uh, like, the bad guys are not just evil, right? Um, you you sort of can see their point of view, even if it may not be the best one. Yeah, I'd uh, agree with that. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think that makes things more interesting. And it's good for kids to ask questions as well. I think, to look at it and think, oh, would kind of who would you side with? Or so that's my first choice. Um, who wants to go next? Lana, do you want to go next? Um, okay. Well, the film I picked is With Nail and I. Oh. Okay. So at least one person has heard of it. 
I've heard of it, but I'll be honest, I've not seen it. Okay. I've not seen it either. No, okay. Um, So it's a 1987 British black comedy film directed by Bruce Robinson, who hasn't really done um, that much other notable uh, work, really, but this is his main uh, creation. And it's loosely based on his life as well. Um, It's set in 60s London and later in the North English countryside. And I think this film is um, really unique for two reasons. Um, First, it's genre. Not only is it um, a black comedy, but I think it's also a coming-of-age film. But when it someone says coming of age normally we think of an entire genre of films that's about teenagers but this one is about two unemployed actors after university so basically anyone unemployed after finishing their education looking for a job trying to enter adulthood and in that uh, sense i don't think they're that many films made about that period in life, even though it's extremely significant and relevant, particularly now, I think, but probably at the time as well. So the film is uh, called With Nail and I, and essentially the film is about With Nail. He is the film. Um, But who is he? I would argue that most of us know a with nail, which again makes this film even more interesting because it's, um, I think, quite relatable. Um, with nail, he is stuck. He is too much of an idealist, and he's stuck in his idealistic fantasy. He indulges in full-time escapism with loads of drugs, insane amount of alcohol. It's amazing he's he's still alive, uh, which is also somewhat reflective of the time. Drugs was all the rage. Um, and reality itself is is not grand enough for him. It's it's too much hard work. It's, it's starting low and working your way up. It, it's dealing with boring stuff. Um, you know, if you want to get a job, you usually don't start off as CEO. You don't start off your career with Hamlet. You have to start out as an understudy to some boring role in a play you don't care about, typically. Um, but he doesn't want to do that. He has these gra- this grand vision for himself. He doesn't want to deal with paperwork. He doesn't even want to deal with cleaning his room, his own house. Um, as I, I'm sure many students can relate to that sort of thing. Um, but despite his flaws, he's incredibly endearing. He's charismatic, he's interesting, and he's never, ever boring. He's incredibly talented, and I think the viewer uh, would probably often be either jealous of him or kind of want him as his friend, um, because he's just, he's unique. A normal person that kind of goes through his or her life uh, trying to get by, trying to improve, almost feels boring in comparison to this grand figure. But at the end of the day, he cannot do anything with his talents because he lacks the discipline. He lacks the self-control, which at the end of the day kind of makes him a bit of a loser. 
Um, ultimately, he has to be left behind because he can never move forward. And this film is, in a sense, tragically about the breakdown of a friendship that was never meant to be. And at the same time, it's a comedy. And it is incredibly funny. So for such a, a sad premise, you'd be laughing your way through it just the whole two hours that it's on. It's funny, it's witty, it's clever, and it's very, very British in an understated way. In fact, um, this is one the first time I watched this film, I watched it during my British culture course um, at uni. Um, a lot of the humor comes from this idea of reality versus expectation. It's idealism being hit hard by the brutality of reality, but the film decides to laugh about it instead. It's sarcastic, it's subtle, um, the humor is never directly in your face like in American comedies. Um, I want to just um, throw two quotes in here, and of course, they will not sound that funny, uh, considering you cannot see the context of it, and you cannot see it acted. But some of the two of the most, um, there are many, many famous quotes from this film. But um, the most famous one is probably, we've gone on holiday by mistake. <laughs> um, and the other one is, we want the finest wines available to humanity, and we want them here, and we want them now. Uh, particularly the going on holiday by mistake um, is probably one of the um, sums it up quite nicely. That it, it's um, a lot of the humor is in the language that's used. Um, Rich, would you like to comment? Yeah, um, I don't know a lot about that one. It's on my uh, list to see. And do you know, what, actually, come to think of it, I saw the start of it. A while a few years back mm. and for some reason didn't continue with it and I don't know why I think it might have just been like I started watching it late on tv or you know something like that and thought you know I'll come back to it when I'm more in the mood mm. but um things I do remember obviously Richard E Grant's in it and yeah. he's a great actor I really like him I think he's yeah. just um he's good at comedy he's good at then in a drama you know he's yeah. um yeah, he's excellent he's pro to be honest if you had underrated actors you'd probably be in with a shout if you put richard e grant mm. yeah because um i think he although he's quite well known i still think he's probably underrated he's not done any like massive roles has he no um, i also remember correct me if i'm wrong but um richard griffiths is in it he probably most well known playing Vernon Dursley and Harry Potter. Um, yes. And did he play Uncle Monty? Yes, that's right. He Is did. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I, can and... I can remember a bit with Uncle Monty, and that's about that's about all I can tell you from that film. But I do know some sort of a cult classic. Yeah, it kind of um, became more of a cult, cult classic as time went on. Like on release, um, it was reviewed fine, it didn't flop, but it didn't catch on either. It took time, but now it's kind of, um, yeah, well-known as a cult classic. What do you think, Lewis? I think 
as I've not seen it, I've seen a couple of clips, and yeah, Richard E. Grant is very good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know that it was his big break, um, and I definitely know it's a cult classic because I remember walking into video stores and seeing it when they used to be a thing, um, and you mm-hmm. used to walk in, and they all always have like a cult section. Mm-hmm. And it was always, I just remember, like, you know, as a kid, just walking past and you would see films like, I don't know, Candyman, and then there'd be another film you've never heard of, and then there'd <laughs> be With Nail and I right next to it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I've just, ne- I've just never seen it, so I can't really comment, because <laughs> <laughs> I've no, I, I understand <laughs> the kind of, like, uh, premise around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're spot on with the coming of age tale, but it's more it's um, a coming of age tale with adults. Yeah, I and I suppose I guess since both of you haven't seen it, it might be um, weird to ask if any one of you know with nail to an extent. I'm probably him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think you're right when you say we probably know a with nail. Mm. And I, I, yeah, Lewis, Lewis might have uh, he might have sprung to mind. I don't know. Well, is he a wino? Is he a wino in the film? He likes his wine and his. I mean, he he likes his drink. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think I do know with now. Mm. Maybe we can watch the film and then yeah, we'll get back I'll... to Lana on that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely know a with now, but. The with nail I know, um, she, in her case, she um, she wasn't into drugs or alcohol, but escapism mm. was everything. Um, and but it's nice to see that addressed um, in film because you just you often go to the movies uh, to escape, but in this film. The, you kind of you, you both escape but at the same time it's escapism that's being criticized so it's quite a unique take on on it yeah, I think. yeah it does sound interesting mm. right lewis take uh take your first one yeah I'll, i'm gonna say it and then i'm gonna pause for a moment because i know you're gonna have a reaction rich all right i know that i don't know whether or not lana's seen this film to be honest okay so the first underrated film, I, in my personal opinion, is Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh huh. Which would you like to comment? <laughs> you do your you do your little spiel about it. <laughs> I'll comment after. <laughs> have you seen it, Lana? Um, I have not seen it because. Okay. Um, I'm just such a big fan of the Nolan films on Batman. Yeah. When I heard that Batman versus Superman kind of um, really strayed very far from that, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. quite sure what I, to make of it. Yeah, I get you. That's what I mean. They 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 made it kind of well, tried to make it their own. So they were like, no, this isn't the Chris Nolan films. Mm. Um. And a lot of people didn't like that. And I think a lot of people went into the cinemas maybe with those expectations. Okay. Um, whereas I, I went in with no expectations. I, did, I, did, I wasn't excited for the film. And I think that helped. 
Because mm. I come out going, that film was epic. So I'm sure everyone knows the plot already, but just for your sake, Lana. Um, it's, it's, bas- it's in the title. It's basically Batman versus Superman. Batman's right. kind of, he's had enough with Superman. Uh, and there's this great opening 10 minutes. Like, the film looks amazing. The opening 10 minutes is just exciting. And it shows the attack that was happening in Man of Steel. Because you've got to remember, this is a Man of Steel sequel. Mm. And it showed the destruction of the city. And down below on the streets of that city was... Uh, Bruce Wayne, played by Ben Affleck. And he's seeing, from his point of view, the aftermath, he's seeing the destruction, should I say. He's running into, you know, smoke. He's running, trying to save people. And it ends with him looking up and seeing Superman flying across skies. And this whole, the theme music starts to kick him. And he thinks Superman is what is wrong with the world. That metahumans shouldn't exist. So the plot, there's a lot actually to kind of indulge about this plot. And now I've just realised this. So you've got that side of the story where Batman is trying to get Superman. You've also got another side story of where Superman is trying to get in terms of what he's done. Kind of understanding where Batman's coming from. But kind of trying to see where he is in the world and trying to kind of avoid Lex Luthor as well, who is trying to use Superman for his evil ways. And I I won't lie, the only only one downside of this film is that there is a a very bad CGI'd cave troll-like thing towards the end. Oh dear. Yeah. You love Stalin films to lie on the day, aren't you? I do. I do. I really do. So the plot is mainly just because, well, fearing the the actions of Superman's have left unchecked. Batman takes on the Man of Steel, uh, but around them, the world is wrestling with what hero they really need. Yeah, I would say that's about right. I'd say that's a good little summarise of a... Because it is a three-hour-long film, two hours 31. But... For me, this film is just so epic because, like you said in your previous review, as soon as you see Hans Zimmer does the music, (laughs) (laughs) it it adds to it. And I think Warner Brothers did that right. They got Hans Zimmer to do the music. I think Zack Snyder's a good director, and I will argue with anyone that says otherwise. I do think there needed to be some maybe some time towards story writing. But the film itself, if you're a comic book fan, of which I am, it looks the film looks like a comic book come to life. Every shot just looks like it's come from a panel of a comic. There's loads of iconography in this film, and they Zack Snyder symbolizes Superman as a Jesus figure. You can tell that because just every shot he's in, he's always coming in similar to a halo on his head, but it's a cloud. It's just a feast for the eyes. And it's a very dark film as well. It's not like Avengers Bright, which Avengers is a very good film and it's very colourful. 
but this is a very dark and dimly lit film and in that same time they can still make it look beautiful in my opinion i think this film's underrated because a lot of people just hated the film it didn't it it did flop in the box office it only it didn't make a billion with what warner brothers wanted to do it just didn't do that well but i think with dvds and blu-ray sales people might have watched it a little bit more it's just they're trying to play catch up with marvel and you can see that you can see that originally somewhere down the line there was this really good film like really good film and the outcome is a so-so film but if you go in with the expectations that this is a so-so film, you're going to come out and go, this film was amazing. I like, like I said, I personally love this film. It's got like kind of epic scope to it. It's very adult. It's very adult in its approach. It's very, it's underrated for me because people just seem to slam this film. I, I just think this film is a top-notch film to watch on a rainy day, it's an adult film, meaning you can think about it. If you take your kids to watch it, they're probably not going to like it because it's not Avengers. It's a... Imagine if Downton Abbey did a superhero film. (laughs) It's just... It's like reading a graphic novel on the screen. And that's why I think it's underrated. Thoughts? Well, seeing as I've seen it, shall I go in with that one? Go on then. How long you got? <laughs> nah. um, to start off, I don't hate this movie. Okay. I wind you up about it like I hate it because I, I know how much you love you it. Wind me up about it. Um, I don't hate it. It's not hit the heights for me mm. that it could have. And I think it, it was years in the making and everyone was buzzing for it before it came out. Yeah. And like you said, I think people had certain expectations well, did you have expectations? Oh, yeah, I did. You know, I'm like, I, I get my hopes up for some movies. Yeah. And it's probably why I come out a little bit disappointed, whereas I know you're a little bit more. I go in with, or I try to not have any expectations. I've yeah. learned that if you go in with no expectations, you're going to come out and go, actually, that was an all right film. Similar to, I've noticed a lot of like tabloid reviews are negative for films when and then you read it and you're like oh this film's gonna be rubbish and then you go in you're like what are these reviews on about it was actually an white film yeah no i agree with you there but i think firstly i think it suffered because of the uh the nolan films being so good mm. and i think it's the fact that it came out only about four years after dark knight rises did and i think it was probably because of that short amount of time that's quite a short amount of time in the world of cinema really yeah. Um, I think that definitely made it suffer. It, you just need to think of it as its own entity. I also think that it was too long. Okay. And then they did an extended version, which I have watched. By the the, way. Then did you prefer the extended version out of interest? Um, probably about the same. I didn't hate it. Okay. I didn't like. I didn't dislike it more, but it didn't make me sort of go. Like yeah. you do with a second watch sometimes think like oh, actually that is really good it's See, not bad I, I, I watch the film when I'm bored do you know what I, I mean I'd um I'd give it a, like a solid 7 oh, but, see. I rated um, it a 9 
yeah, but you're you're a bit of a nutter, aren't you? So anyway, um, my other criticisms were, yeah, like I said, we've been too long. I think for me, the first hour and a half, I was twiddling my thumbs a little bit. Then the last hour or so, yeah, I quite enjoyed. I get it did, you. It, it did pick up a bit, and it's quite entertaining, and it's like a superhero film mm. in that. See, but, it goes yeah, to just show took that... too long to get to that point for me. It goes to show that how everyone watches their films differently. Because for me, I didn't twiddle my thumbs, but I did take my little cousin. Oh right. Um, and he he twiddled his thumb. Not to say you're you know my little cousin, um, but. As a uh, kid watching it, they just didn't find it entertaining because it was um, a Marvel film. I'd have been bored shitless, I think, if I was a little kid going to it because two and exactly, a half hours yeah. is a long time. But I um, liked that they tried to make it adult. Yeah, I mean, because if you wanted, lot... if you wanted a kids' comic book film, you go watch something else. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's why it didn't do that well. Yeah, that's fair, because I think a lot of the Marvel films, like whenever I've been to the cinema, there's a lot of families and, uh, you know, people are taking a lot of kids to it. Yeah. Because they are more child-friendly. And like you said, they're more colourful as well. Hmm. But, um, which is another, that is, it's not, I mean, it sounds like a slight criticism when I say it's sort of too dark, but maybe, like you said, if that's what they were aiming for. I think that's what they were aiming for. Um, I think if you go in, with that kind of state of mind that this is a dark adult film. It's, it's basically, you know, a graphic novel where graphic novels aren't kid friendly. I know you can get probably kid friendly uh, graphic novels, but I'm more thinking of the likes of Watchmen. Um, yeah. yeah. I think Sandman, Neil Gaiman's done a lot of um, graphic novels. Watchmen's a good movie. Watchmen yeah. is a good movie. Great movie. You know, I've only seen it once, but I loved it and I need to get yeah. back on it really. Zach, Zach Snyder's very good at style. Yeah. But he just needs a little bit of substance in his This brain. This brings me to my penultimate criticism and then I've, I've only got one more after that and then I'll shut up. Okay. But um, <laughs> I think the, the slow-mo in like film, Zach Snyder films like 300 is amazing. And like, it's the yeah. first time I probably saw that yeah. style. So yeah. I loved it. But when he's done it in every other film, it kind of starts to lose its appeal. I understand and that. I think I in think this point the, it works, though. Yeah, I don't know. By the time it got to that, I was a little bit like, oh, it's just too much slow-mo for me. But again, that's just me personally. Yeah. Other people might love that, like you. See, I think the slow-mo in this film, along with Hans Zimmer's score helps it mm. my final criticism and i'd be surprised if you didn't agree with this one to be honest i think most people would agree with oh, it go on then. i will it's the casting of lex luther i thought i just didn't rate jesse eisenberg in that role mm. it's an interesting one because towards the end of the film uh and i'll try not to spoil it just in case you know lana does want to watch it um i won't worry about it <laughs> Um, I think Lex Luthor got better towards the end of the film. And it is a shame that it just wasn't... I don't know. I think I think he tried to make Lex Luthor his own. And I can see that. But I'll be honest, I've not really read much Superman comics. So I don't know whether or not 
this Lex Luthor that showed on the screen is like anyone that's on the comic books. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's so fair. the the only Lex Luthor I've got in my head is from the animated Superman series. Yeah. Um, where you know, as soon as you say Lex Luthor, my head automatically goes to him rather than this version. Mm. I don't know whether or not he is really good at it, and I've just not seen the source material, or he's trying something that just doesn't work out. I think we can all, well, me and Richard, I think we can agree that he's creepy in it. Yeah, he's he's definitely a bit creepy. So, you know, I think a villain, you should be someone you love to hate. And in my opinion, I love to hate him. So he's mm, probably... I can see... I can see where you're coming from. I just find mm-hmm. him like really irritating. But again, personal opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. This film, this film divides so many people up. Um, that I think again, that's just a win because it engages a conversation. For sure. It does actually sound like um an intriguing film. So. And it, like I say, it's very adult. If you don't like your Marvel films, because they're maybe a bit too childish for your taste or for your liking. You yeah, know, see, everyone's each to their own. They've got their opinions. So, yeah, Lana, have you got any comments? Um, so, I haven't seen it, mm. but I've definitely heard quite a lot about it. Yeah. Um, and like I said before, I was one of those people who, after loving the Nolan films, hearing the negative reviews of this film really put mm. me off. Yeah, uh, it would. It, it definitely would. Yeah. But um, having heard your review, I'm definitely intrigued. I mean, the biggest criticism I heard about this film is pacing. Um, okay, so the pacing is, do you like, oh, it's going to sound really weird, but do you like reading books? Yes. Yes. The, I always put it in comparison of, it's like reading a book, where where there is, there's definitely pacing issues in relevance to film knowledge, but mm-hmm. if you put it in comparison to a book... You, you've got a lot of backstory that they fill in. Okay. And do you need to have seen, um, what you, you said, Man of Steel that came before it? You you do and you don't. If you want to know everything, then you can watch Man of Steel. Um, but all, kind of all you need to know from Man of Steel is that it's Superman's first outing, or Henry Cavill's version of Superman's first outing. And he's trying to find, come into terms of what he's want to be. And along the way, he does make some silly actions. I see. Is, did you ever see the first Avengers? No. No. Okay, so there's a scene in the first Avengers movie where um, you've got this, the Avengers team and Captain America is on top and he's going, right, we need to do this, we need to close off here, we need to do that, et cetera, et cetera. It's like thinking of a plan to kind of minimise the destruction of New York. Okay. Whereas Man of Steel, yeah, they destroyed the city. <laughs> because it symbolises okay. that Superman has no idea what he's doing. That's interesting. I mean, it's, it's an interesting concept as well, because um, obviously Superman, in terms of um, comic book history, Superman came first, mm-hmm. right? And he was uh, this very um, idealistic character, in a sense, right? Like yep. it's just in he, the name, right? Superman. Yeah, he definitely is in this film as well. You can just, yeah. Right, and um, Batman is kind of meant to be his antithesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, 
him being kind of um, an well, depending on which, which film you watch, but he is a bit of an anti-hero. Like originally in the very first uh, comic books, he he was quite violent because I think it was, it was meant to be a response to uh, the Great Depression mm-hmm. in America, and they really wanted a hero that would just beat the crap out of all the criminals. And <laughs> that is what yeah. he's like in this film, which people weren't a fan of because of the Christopher yeah. Nolan version. There's an amazing action sequence of Batman versus some goons in a warehouse in this film. Okay. And it's so violent for a Batman film. Okay. Like, you see... I'm pretty sure it's on the unrated version. Um, blood splatter and things like that where you're like, oh my god, Batman's killing people. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's kind of how people wanted him to be. So if this film, in a sense, um, goes back to the root, that will be an interesting take. I feel like right. Lana might watch this film. I might do. Yeah, yeah. I'd, give, I'd, I'd give it a go because then you get, you know, you could weigh in on it and have your own opinion. Then exactly give it a go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Our next pick is starring Robin Williams. And I'm pretty sure I lent this to you, Lana. Oh, yeah, I so think I know. You might, you might know where I'm going on this one. Um, and, Lewis, I'm not sure if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it if you haven't. And the one I've chosen this time is not a, it's not a typical Robin Williams film. Mm. Uh, it's One Hour Photo. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. Not seen Go this film. <laughs> you've not seen it? I I recently actually watched a documentary where they um, talked about it. Right. Uh, so I know how Robin Williams plays the character, but I don't know the plot. Avoid spoilers been... though, because I will watch it at some point. Oh yeah, I won't go into um, I won't go into like massive detail, but I'll just give you a you know basic plot idea. So he's a creepy photo developer and. Do you know, I saw the trailer when I was a kid and I thought, what, is that Robin Williams? Like, this this doesn't look like a family film like that he's normally in. Mm-hmm. And, I've, you know, I probably, like, avoided it like the plague at first because I thought, I only want to see Robin Williams doing comedy roles. Like, this isn't right. Because when you're a kid, you just, like, well, you aren't supposed to be watching those sort of films, are you? So, <laughs> but, um. Yeah, as a photo developer, he becomes quite obsessive with a particular family he's been serving over the years. Um, it's it's quite eerie. It's odd because I say he's a creepy photo developer. He looks creepy, but at first you just think he's this innocent guy who is just a little bit lonely, maybe. And then as it sort of digs a little bit deeper, you realise actually he's quite obsessive and he's been keeping photos, shall we say, to the side. Mm. Okay. And sort of starts to become a bit of a schemer. Um, I won't go any further on that, Lewis, because I don't want to spoil it to, for you too much. I can, I just, can picture it, though, yeah. That's just a rough idea of where it's going. And um, But for me, the big one on this is uh, it just shows Robin Williams, like his versatility as an actor. Like, he's not just a comedy... Well, sadly, he's obviously not with us anymore. He wasn't just a comedy actor. He he had so much more to him. Like, he's mm. he did some great films, like... Dead Poet Society, that's another serious one. Oh, yeah. Um, he obviously did Good Will Hunting. So, yeah, he's not just... He doesn't just 
do films like Jumanji, Flubber, Mrs. Doubtfire. They, don't get me wrong, I love that film. But it was just refreshing to see him in a role completely different. And yeah, this was it. I've not seen it for a while now, but I have seen it a few times. And it's, as soon as I picked this as one of my underrated films, I just wanted to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend it because you wouldn't expect it from Robin Williams. I, if, uh, I mean, you say you've heard of it, Lewis. I, th- I feel like there's a lot of people out there who might not have even heard of it because... There will be now, yeah. They wouldn't definitely. associate it with Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. another serious film with him actually called Insomnia. I don't know if either of you have seen that. That's another great yes. one where he plays a rather sinister character. And he, he's, he's on point in that. He's just brilliant. But um, yeah, and this one only made 52 million at the box office, which I mean, it's not too bad for the type of film, I guess, at the time. But well, I was going to say, did it do well reviews wise? Looking at it, it was mixed. It's not got okay. bashing. It's not got sort of like a claim either. Yeah. And that's kind of why I sort of picked it for this category, really. You know, I thought it's kind of one of those down the middle, but I feel like it should just be slightly higher rated than it is. Yeah, of course. And um I also picked out a fun fact for this one, which we're going to love as well. Robin Williams, being a practical joker that he was, actually ran out butt naked through a doorway during a chase scene in this film. <laughs> to, prank, to prank the cast. Oh, was, it, was it a scene in the film? <laughs> no, hence the prank. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I thought that was amazing. I thought I could just imagine him, well, you know. Yeah. Doing that, I don't want to imagine it, but I can imagine him doing that sort of thing because he was a bit of a nut, wasn't he? Mm. But he was a legend. But yeah, one hour photo. I am staking the claim for that being an underrated movie. Also, Lana, do you want to give me your thoughts on that one? Um, yeah, I think I think that's an excellent pick. Um, yeah, he's uh, Robin Williams is just um, almost unrecognizable in it, as you said, and he, I, I think this film helped probably helped him in his career not to be typecast, and it kind of subverts our own expectations because you just um, you forget who he is when you watch it. You see the character, not Robin Williams, at least when I watched it. Mm. Um, I've heard just, that a lot from people actually. Um, and I've seen it written down in a lot of places. They said he is. Um, you just you forget that it's Robin Williams after a while. You get yeah. so you get so engrossed in that movie. You yeah. you really think that he is Sai, the developer. You know yeah. you, you don't you don't look at him as being the actor of Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah, and it's. Um, I mean, I guess it's meant to be a thriller, but it's. I just found it. Um, when I've watched it, I just found it so sad, so melancholic, poignant. Because the the main character, Sai, and I think that that's part of his amazing performance, is that you don't just see him as a bad guy. Um, he he's not that really, and he's not re- that relatable either. But you still feel for him, even though you can't really relate to him. Yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with this one. Yeah, um, it's very unusual. But, um, and also, I found that the message of the film um, is often not to take things for granted, not to take family for granted. And that's, um, 
Yeah, again, that's something you see very often in film and approached in such a unique way through a thriller, through a very creepy character. I think that's a very unique combination. Very brave of the director to try and um, make a film like that. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, Lewis, do you think you might dip your toe in on this one? I think I'd like to see it just for the Robin Williams acting differently. But I wasn't really into me thrillers back then. And since then, I've probably seen more films that have been very similar to it. That I'm just kind of like, eh, if you know what I mean. The sole prospect of seeing Robin Williams in a different role, it's yeah, worth a go. That's what, yeah, that, yeah, that's the only selling point that I can see. And this, this is why I'm saying it's underrated, because it can go under the radar a bit. Again, I still think that some people might have been put off because... Robin Williams isn't playing a typical Robin Williams character, so it might only suit a select audience. Because a lot of people, when they want to see Robin Williams, they're going to want to see him in a comedy role. So I can understand it it from that point of view. But, um, yeah, still my pick for underrated film. I'm sure when I watch the film, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a good pick. Yeah, well, I picked it, Lewis, so, you know, it's going to be good. (laughs) Right. Lana, do you want to go again? Um, Okay. Um, So my second pick uh, would be Showgirls, um, which is, I suppose, definitely an underrated film, considering it was uh, very much a flop when it got released. (laughs) Um, And is probably, for some people anyway, still a flop today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, however, I think many people have probably heard of it. I heard um, of it. Yeah. Heard of it. Yeah. Not seen yeah. it. Yeah, not seen it. Not seen it. Okay. Uh, so it's a 1995 um, erotic drama directed by Paul Verhoeven, uh, who also directed Basic Instinct, Robocop, Total Recall. Um, Great movies. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's about a young lady with an unknown past uh, who comes to Las Vegas to try and make it big as a dancer. Now, it is a little bit of a blue movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously, she doesn't want to be any ordinary dancer. She starts off as a pole dancer and wants to move up to a very prestigious uh, topless show um, in LA. What I think what's important to keep in mind when uh, coming into this film is that it's it's meant to be fun. It's not the most it's not that serious. It's it's quite it's actually quite colorful and everything is exaggerated in it from the acting to like and when you see the acting being exaggerated it's everything it's from the way the main character eats to the way she puts on her clothing to the way she dances um but it's also it's fast-paced and there's no shortage of naked ladies so it's fun lewis has added that to his list straight away now right i (laughs) i wish but no i've i've heard of this film um but carry on and i'll dive into it later um, okay, uh, you can certainly laugh with it or at it. It's really up to you. Um, and some of the dialogue is is really over the top. Um, 
and it, the way it's performed can be seen as bad acting, but I think for the context of the film, it works. Unfortunately, this film pretty much ruined the main uh, the 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 main actress's career, Elizabeth Berkeley, mm-hmm. um, because she went from doing a very family friendly show when she was very young, doing uh, Saved by the Bell. Um, if you, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's kind of yeah, an American yeah, yeah. sitcom. To doing Showgirls, so it's a massive uh, change. And it, yeah, it, it, it ruined her career, unfortunately. Um, and as I mentioned before, when it came out, it was a complete flop. To this day, it holds a pretty uh, negative review of 4.9 of IMDb. Yet, if you look at the comment, it is rather positive. Most people who have seen it recently, mo- most of the comments have, are actually very positive. It's it's just a lot of fun. It's not necess- it's not meant to be that serious. However, I'd like to argue that if you do take it seriously, there is an interesting message in it, particularly now in the post-Harvey Weinstein era. Um, this film um, is all about kind of the dark side and seediness of show business. And it is a constant warning to anyone who's going into show business to keep their wits about them. Every encounter the main character has, um, there's always that message of do not trust smooth talkers, be wary of handsome strangers, be wary of the competition, that it, it constantly shows just how much of a rough and unfair place show business can be because um, it's it's a warning against being naive and starry-eyed um, I watched the, when I first watched this film I was probably too young for it um, I was a teenager and weirdly enough I watched this film with my mom Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she didn't, I mean, my parents are pretty relaxed about films in general, but yeah. she didn't mind this film because she found that the message it sent uh, was not a bad one. Um, despite the many explicit scenes and certain very violent scenes in the film, um, the message is simple but strong. Do not trust anyone, be strong, and stand up for yourself. Um, Another message, I think, is you're better off being true to yourself than selling yourself for profit. And that's not a bad message for any young girl or or anyone going into uh, show business. And it's it's quite a strong warning. Um, And the main character is is a very strong character, I think. Uh, She's not always that likable, and she makes a lot of mistakes, but she's not naive, and she's willing to confront issues. She's willing to stand up for herself. She doesn't let herself uh, just crumble in insecurity. Um, She fights, but she doesn't take it... Well, you could say sometimes she takes it too far because it's a film that's very over the top. But generally, she's never naive or starry-eyed, which is what the film doesn't want you to be. Lewis, would you like to comment? I'm intrigued by it. Probably more so the one-hour photo. 
Mm-hmm. Because it is a thriller, isn't it? This film I'm comparing the two because of thrillers. Um, no, this is oh. a drama. Oh, sorry, I I thought it was a thriller. I thought it was a depends, depends what thrills you're looking at, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen it in a lot of articles um, where I used to be an avid um, Empire and Total Film reader, mm-hmm. where it was in like always on the flop lists and always kind of in those features that say oh this film isn't that bad actually like what you know you were just talking about mm. so i'm always intrigued to watch this film um just because of especially in this day and age like you said it'd be interesting to see what um it's kind of saying to its audience mm. um i mean i'd say it's more of a fun film than a serious okay. film but the yeah. serious aspects of it are actually not bad. Not bad at all, I would say. Yeah, it's def- I definitely will watch this one. I'm going to add it to my list now, I think. Okay. Rich, what do you think? Like I said, I haven't seen it. Um, it does sound intriguing. And like Lewis, I've seen it on a lot of lists of films that have flopped or, you know, people saying, like, films that shouldn't have been made, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um I will give it a go on your recommendation because I trust you, Lana. <laughs> and um, yeah, I again, the only thing I really know about it is uh, Elizabeth Berkeley being the main role. And I remember her as Jessie in Saved by the Bell, which I used to love. I used to watch that. Yeah. I watched it all day long when it was on like Nick and stuff. Um, so it's a bit of a different uh, type yeah, of uh, different. film to what the TV show was. But um yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll definitely give it a go at some point. Right. Lewis, do you want to give us your last pick on underrated movies? So, again, one that I think is underrated, but people more so would like this one more than Batman vs. Superman. Um, I'm gonna, I've picked Shrek 2. Uh-huh. And we, but everyone's seen Shrek 2, right? Classic. Uh-huh. Have you seen it, Lana? I, I think so. It's yeah? just been a long time. It probably has been a long time. And this yeah. film is really a meme. <laughs> if you know what I mean. It's just odd. But for good reasons. One, one I think, is one of the best sequels that have ever been made. As in sequels that are better than the original. I think... There's so much fun and warmth in this film that it can cater to kids and adults. There's a lot of adult jokes, which would just go over kids' head. Mm. I think they found the winning formula. And I think it's the first, it's one of the first films I can think of that does that. Now you've got a lot of kids' films, you know, where they put in adult jokes, goes over the kids' heads. I think any film that gives me goosebumps with Jennifer Saunders singing oh my god I've completely had a mind dump what's she sing <laughs> I need a hero yeah no uh, yeah holding up okay. for a hero <laughs> any film that has Jennifer Saunders singing I need a hero and gives me goosebumps <laughs> it's just brilliant <laughs> and you've got a giant gingerbread man that I could just picture that entire sequence in my head and I still get giddy 
I still get excited. I still think this film is just so damn good. But people, it's never on like people's top 10 lists or like top 10 animated lists or you know, anything like that. You've mm. got Swashbuckle in it brings in Puss in Boots. You've got John Cleese and Julie Andrews as playing the king and the queen and the, you know, turns out he's a frog. It's just so back crazy, but it works in so many ways. And the animation is really good for early 2000s as well. I think it's, again, one of the first animated films that I can think of where it spoofs other films. There's a whole sequence at the beginning where it's spoofing The Little Mermaid, Spider-Man 2, uh, among others. And I can't remember seeing any earlier animated kids film that did that. Mm. I think you can tell that all the cast is enjoying themselves more. Because in the first one, they did feel a bit wooden. If it, you can definitely see that with Cameron Diaz, I think. In the first Shrek, she's very kind of monotonic. In, and in this one, she's just uh, she's just better. She's just more characteristic of herself, of Fiona as well. I just think this film's great. And I think people love this film. I think it's got a soft spot in everyone's heart, this film. I think it's funny. I think there's a good message. I think the music's good. I think the action's good. The humour's good. But it just need, I just wish it was like on people's radar a bit more. Yeah. Like, does anyone have any thoughts about this one? I do. Go on, watch it. Go on. Obviously, people, like, when they mention Shrek, normally they think of the first one, which, don't get me wrong, is another classic. That is a great film. Yeah. Because I think that was groundbreaking. I think the first one won Pixar, not Pixar's, DreamWorks' first Oscar for Best Animation. Yeah, that's, um, that's understandable. Which usually goes to Pixar and things yeah. like that, and Disney um, itself. But, yeah, I I'm in the camp of the sequel being better than the original on this one definitely um it's got for me it's got a great soundtrack which i actually own i don't mind telling you no I've, so I, I was on it as well i was on I holiday the year it came out and yeah. i uh i picked it up and i was like i'm having that like counting yeah. crows accidentally in love is a great song exactly oh, yeah. and um so yeah, big part of it for me was the soundtrack. Um, also, I agree with you. Like with the characters, they borrow all these fairy tale characters mm-hmm. you've seen in other films, but they make it like original. Yeah, like, like look at Pinocchio. I'm sure Pinocchio steals a lot of scenes in this film. <laughs> Pinocchio's great. The three little pigs are great. Yeah, all Ginger the gingerbread man's great. Are great. Puss like, and Boots, like coming yeah. into it. Antonio Banderas as a voice is just brilliant. Uh huh. It just puts a smile on your face, this film. Yeah, it's, it is so much fun. And yeah. I watched it like so many times mm-hmm. on repeat. I would have been about 12, 13, I think, when it came out, but yeah, I still watched it like. I still watched it on repeat and I could quite easily just flick it on right now. It's one of those films yeah. for me. Like, I could I- watch it anytime. The last 20 minutes of this film is just so... It's Italian kiss. Do you know what I mean? The It's just... They've perfectly synced an action to I Need a Hero. Yeah. See, Fairy Godmother, great great villain in it. Great Prince Charming. You know, yeah. there's so many characters in this 90-minute film. They feel like they have um, relevance. Like, they're not just there. They're not just shooting I, in. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're um they have relevance to the you know the plot and the story and it's a great like ensemble like yeah. so yeah I definitely love this. It's a shame that like they kind of lost their way with the third one and then the fourth one was yeah. not amazing either and apparently yeah. they're making a fifth one but we'll apparently. see. I have a feeling that there was different um directors and writers. I'm again I. I could be wrong, but it just you can just see a tone difference from yeah. Trek the third the third one's like watching like you know straight to home movie sort of yeah, film. From, yeah, it's not got the same cinematic vibes that you get from the other two. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah, that's my opinion on that one. Yeah, and Lana. Yeah, I don't have um, much to disagree with here. It's a great film with an amazing cast. And the amount of talent. Are they not modern actors? But no. for the time, they were every, they were really famous. Yeah. To get them all together to do this, and they work so perfectly for each character. Mm-hmm. With the music and the fun plot. Yeah, it's it's a great film. Yeah, it's just it's just fun. But I think it just needs to be. It's one of those films where you kind of remember that it exists. You're like, oh, yeah, I need to watch that. Oh, yeah, that's such a good film. Yeah. But it's just underrated because it just needs to be in more people's lists of, like, top-notch films. Yeah. I think that was a great pick. Yeah, agreed. Right. A new movie that we've watched or a film that we've watched in the last two weeks that we've not seen before. I'm well excited for this. I... We'll kick things off. And my pick has been The Five Bloods, which was directed by Spike Lee, which was released on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with any Spike Lee films, he did Black Landsman, a film called Clockers, which is really good, which, again, that could be an underrated movie because I feel like not a lot of people are going to know that one. And there's also a film called Do the Right Thing, which Spike Lee did in the 90s, which is a really good movie. So in The Five Bloods, uh, the actors are made up of Dalroy Lindo. If you haven't heard of Dalroy Lindo, he, you definitely recognise him. He's been in quite a lot of films, but for me, this is, without a doubt, his standout performance. He's joined by Clark Peters, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. and Jonathan Majors also joined him on it. Um, and the acting in it, it's just spot on, really. It's just great. Like you're so, I always find, you know, when someone's a great actor, because you don't even think about them acting you just you're you're so engrossed in the film yeah so the story is made up of uh basically four vietnam war veterans plus one of their sons go in search of gold in um back in vietnam and they're also trying to find the remains of their squad leader who they buried there at the time of the war and there's a lot of tie-ins with the history of the Vietnam War and there's some really harrowing, like, real footage in it because it is, as we know, it's a really gruesome war. Um, a lot of a lot of terrible things went on in it. And it does show how affected the Vietnamese people, like the innocent villagers, were treated and also the treatment of the black soldiers in the war as well, which is quite shocking. So there's a lot of historical tie-ins there that um, Spike Lee's putting for us uh the production's amazing uh like with it being in hd now it just complements the scenery so much it's just worth taking a look at it on that basis alone to be honest it is two and a half hours long but 
it was paged really well. Like I wasn't looking at the clock to see how long was left. I just kind of got to the end and I was like, oh. Um, there's also a really good balance between um, comedy and drama in this one. So yeah, it is sort of you would label it sort of black comedy, I suppose, because um, there are some quite emotional parts. But there's also some bits that I found myself actually laughing out loud with. So that was good. And um, it's just a different take on the Vietnam War as well, because we've had films like Platoon, Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket. They're all going down sort of a similar route, I suppose. If you haven't seen any of those three, uh, I'd highly recommend those as well. But this one, yeah, it's definitely an original take on it that Spike Lee's put out for us. And um, yeah, I think it's worth a look. If you've got Netflix, get on it. Um, if you've got a spare three hours. So mm-hmm. that's my re- that's my review for the week. Can we comment on it? Yeah, feel free. Um, I heard that, similarly um, to another film we discussed, I've heard the biggest criticism for this was the pacing. And that uh, some people found like the kind of flashbacks and kind of time skips to be confusing. Did you find that to be the case? Um, at first, the confusing thing that stuck out for me and it's going to sound weird uh, off the bat, is that when they flash back to the Vietnam War, the main characters that are in present day, they appear exactly as what they look like now. Uh And you see it and you're like, why does Chadwick Boseman look about 30 and the others look like they're sort of, you know, in their 60s or whatever? And um, I first thought, I don't, but if you think about it, it makes sense. It's like they're flashing back. It's like they've almost gone, they've not gone in time in a time machine, but it's like they have. So they're imagining 40 years ago. So that's why they appear like they do now. It's sort of to show the link between the two. Some people would find that an odd way of doing it. In the end, I mm. kind of grew on me and I quite liked it because it was an original idea. Okay. Yeah, for me personally, I didn't have much of a problem with the pacing. I thought it was great. Like I was really enjoying it. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. it's you know, it's good to have varying opinions. I think yeah. it's a film that, um, with everything that's going on in the world as well, it's important to watch. It's extremely relevant at the yeah. moment. I I will um, I will give you that. Lewis, do you want to give me? Because I know you're dying to give us your movie review. <laughs> well, so, like, um, speaking of like relevancy in the world at the moment. <laughs> what new or recent movie would you like to review this week? I'm going to review Eurovision Song Contest: The Story of Fire Saga. Ta da! I know, oh. right? Uh, I know that because we, obviously we've got WhatsApp and we've been messaging each other. I know that Lana, you've not seen it, but you're a little bit kind of Skeptical. you might <laughs> you might watch it. Mm. Are you a Eurovision fan? Um, I used to watch it a lot growing up. Yeah. But I've went off it. Yeah. It's it's doing really well, <laughs> strangely. Okay. <laughs> I've seen it like pop up on social media. Um and it's it's basically a story of two people, Lars and Sigret, who come from Iceland and their sole dream is to be in Eurovision for their country and win it. It's not a spoof. It's actually quite touching in places the music's really good and when i say that this film is relevant 
it's perfect escapism for what 2020 has held for a lot of us. Ah. It's very easy watching. You don't have to think about it. So, for example, because I, I agree with Rich's choices, that you need to watch The Five Bloods for its relevancy. Watch The Five Bloods and then watch Eurovision. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, it's again, it's a two-hour-long film. You know, I would say the pacing is a little bit... It's a bit slow in places. Um, there are some funny sections. Like, you're never, you're never looking elf again at the same time in the same way because <laughs> um, Rich you've seen this haven't you I watched it the weekend yeah Yeah. so let, when afterwards we'll have a chat but um, with it not being perfect I think there's a lot of elements where you've kind of already seen it before so if you've ever seen something like Pitch Perfect or Pitch Perfect 2 or Pitch Perfect 3 even there are moments in this film where you're like oh Pitch Perfect did that but overall it's just it's just a really good film. The cast are good. I feel like they wasted Demi Lovato a little bit because she is only in it in spoilers, probably about 10, 15 minutes, if that. Yeah, it's not even that, is it? Yeah, it's not even that. But everyone else is really good. Literally just want to play in Eurovision. That's their dream. It's not done spoofly. It's done, actually, if you're a fan of Eurovision, you will like this film. There are moments where it's just... It's just crazy. You're going, what am I watching? What am I watching? I I think any film that has a primal screaming Will Ferrell automatically wins. I think Rachel McAdams <laughs> is really good in this film. Um, Dan Stevens, stealing every scene he's in. Music's good. There's a lot of love in this film. It's more of a love letter to Eurovision. Yeah, makes sense. You can sense. see that they really like the premise of Eurovision. As American, Americans apparently don't really watch it. They don't understand Eurovision at all. They just don't understand what it is. To the point where in this film, you've got um, a scene with Americans saying, is it like the voice? <laughs> and it's just little moments like that that just bring you a little bit of a smile. And throughout the film, I was going on Twitter and seeing what other people were thinking of. And you could see Americans really liking it because they're watching it like it's Eurovision because mm. that's the way that it's been shot. It feels like you're literally just watching Eurovision. It's like a documentary, but not. You're literally just watching Eurovision entrance joining Eurovision and there's story along the way. Um, I think it's just easy watching. You can just sit down on a rainy day, enjoy it, smile, Download the soundtrack. I think the best song in is it is called Ja Ja Ding Dong, um, which <laughs> I need to find a lyric. But I, I didn't even recall this. I was watching the film and they started singing Ja Ja Ding Dong. And then I went, hang on. And it's all about, well, let's just say probably not podcast friendly <laughs> if you Google the lyrics. Um, it's fun. It's camp. It's what you want from a Eurovision film. It's just a good film, uh, but it's not perfect. Um, and then I got asked, Rich, did you like the film? By the end of it, after reflecting on it, I did yeah. quite enjoy it. Um, during yeah. it, I was I started to feel like it um, was a little bit long, but yeah. the third act was quite good. Um, yeah, I think the pacing some of the songs are just a bit 
it's the mid bit. No, it's not even the mid bit. It's like the bit before the middle. Yeah, there but was it's just not the a, beginning. If that makes sense. There was a part where I started to drift a little bit, but then it sort of redeemed itself towards the end for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is funny. Uh, it's it's not like laugh out loud all the way through funny. But no, it's just it's, the obstacle. Uh, I think I actually said my girlfriend while I was watching it. I said. Um, you know what, like, if this was made sort of 10, 15 years ago, I think it would have been loads better because it reminded yeah. me a little bit of the Blazer Glory sort of... Um, yeah, it did. Vibe. It did me as well. I think Blazer Glory um, is funnier because they're actually taking the mick out of um, ice skating and figure yeah. skating. Whereas but Eurovision, whereas... it's hard to spoof a spoof because Eurovision is kind of a spoof in itself. Like, in a way, it knows, yeah. it knows, I, I it knows that it's to. being camp and it knows it's sort of being a bit goofy yeah. with some of the entrants that they have in every year. I think that Will Ferrell, who I believe wrote the film as well, oh, right. I, I think he, because he's an act, he's a genuine fan. Yeah. Uh, and you can see that. That's why they're not taking the mick out of it because they already know, like you say, that Eurovision is easy. It would be too easy to take the mick out of Eurovision. Let's just go with it. Let's just do Eurovision story. Yeah. Um, and I, I, yeah, I just think it's just really enjoyable in this day and age where, you know, you've got a lot of things going on in the world and it's just nice just to be able to sit there and watch just a good film. I think it's one that could be a grower over the years. I think like if you revisit right. it maybe in a yeah. couple of years or something like that, I think, I think it's it, going to do it, well. I, it didn't, it didn't get great reviews. Um, I think it would do well, though. But I am pleased to say, just in my humble way, that uh, it is literally a point one above your selection <laughs> on IMDb. <laughs> so I'll have that as a win. <laughs> what do they know? Right, yeah. Lana, do you want to hit us with your review for the week or a recent film that you've watched? Yeah. The most recent film that I've watched uh, has been Scarface. Okay. Um, which is 1983 crime drama or gangster film um, directed by Brian De Palma with Al Pacino as Scarface. Um, and I think what's really nice, really interesting about this film is that it's very different from Italian gangster films. Um, because if you're into gangster films at all, you probably would have seen um, a lot of the Scorsese films, uh, The Godfather. Um, those films are just really big. And this is from a very different perspective. It's um, set in Florida. It, the main gangster here is Cuban. Um, so it's, it, it's a very different take on gangster films. Um, so it feels fresh. If you've been watching a lot of Italian ones, going to this feels really fresh, really different to an extent. Um, another thing that I really liked about it is it's uh, basically a Greek tragedy in gangster form. Um, and it follows all the classic rules of a Greek tragedy of having a hero who has certain qualities that he cannot change about himself that ultimately undermine what he's doing. Um, and seeing that unfold and seeing all that connect together 
almost like a puzzle and you you can't change the ending you know it's coming i will not say what it is um but and but you see it coming long before and the tension that you feel uh certain sadness as well you feel sorry for the main character even though he's not a nice man he's really not um but he's gone through so much and uh to get to where he is and it, it's it's very greek in a way in that sense um he the main character is also an anti-hero which again makes him somewhat more interesting um he's not idealistic he does not fight for the poor he's not modest um he's a jerk <laughs> <laughs> he's a total jerk yeah uh, but that makes him interesting and i think i think that's one of the qualities of gangster films in general is that you get to watch these horrible people do their thing from the comfort and safety of your own home <laughs> and he, uh the main character here scarface you do not want to meet him in real life you really don't um but his uh character arc is fascinating um and the the film as it's titled scarface is really all about his character arc um and it it's a very long film and I I would advise if anyone was to watch it to not go in thinking oh I'm going to watch a quick film just for fun. It is a fun film, but it is a long film. So if you come in thinking, oh I'll watch it almost like a mini series, I think you'll enjoy it more. Yeah. I think um it's more enjoyable than that other um than the most recent Scorsese film. Um, the Irishman. The Irishman. There you go. Which is also a very kind of long film, almost like a mini series that cent- uh, centers around a character's life. Uh, but this one is better paced. Um, I think there's more going on in it, um, and the this again going back to the Greek tragedy aspect of it. um because of that classic structure in a very modern setting um it makes it fascinating rich what do you think have you seen it i have seen it yep and i think yeah it's a great entry into the genre um yep. i love al pacino yeah i think he's well he's we all know he's one of the top actors around mm. he was um he's such a great as Tony Montana yeah i've not seen it for a few years but i've seen it a couple of times and i just like i loved it straight off i know you say it's quite long but it didn't feel again if you're enjoying something so yeah. much you don't really think about the time of the movie you just yeah. get really drift away it. with it and you're so engrossed and then yeah it's over but yeah yeah i'd i'd recommend that to anyone as well like if you haven't seen it definitely give it a go Yeah. Lewis, have you seen it? Uh I've only seen clips of it, I'll be honest with you. Um You're a disgrace. I know, I know. <laughs> um it is on my list to watch and I'm into my Greek um stories. Yeah, um, yeah. So when you mentioned that I went, "Oh, okay." And it kind of pricked me ears up a bit, so I might give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, it was um I think it was quite because it's from his uh, Tony Montana's perspective. It uh changed um uh, gangster films and in, in a sense 
because um, most of Scorsese's films came after. Yeah. So, and I think that he took a lot of influence from Scarface. So, I'm going to hit you with some coming soons, some movies that are out within the next couple of weeks. There's no, it's pretty thin, as we know cinemas are still closed at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, we've got Hamilton coming out shortly, which is the Broadway musical. Uh, it's been getting a lot of uh, hype. I think I don't know if that's just because it's the only thing coming out or if it's genuinely really going to be that good, but I'm intrigued. Well, you know, I'm just going to chuck in maybe a curveball. Um, you do know that it's just the recording of the live showing, yeah? I do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, I, oh no, does Rick think I this do, is um, I do my re- I do my research before. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that's on Disney+. Plus and it looks good, I've not seen it. Right. Yeah, again, it's a long one, but I'm mm. going to try and watch it um, as soon as. Yeah. Uh, there's also The Old Guard, which is coming to Netflix, which is a fantasy action, and it's starring Charlize Theron in the main role. Oh, and Chiwetel yeah, but... uh, Ejiofor from 12 Years of Slave is also starring in this one. Um, it looks quite fun. Um, mm, I'm does. not. It, it's one you talk about going in with expectations. I'd probably go in with quite low expectations on it, but. I feel like it might be a good, um, yeah, it might be a good popcorn movie, that one. And then, yeah, that's it at the moment. But there's, uh, I saw a few trailers, uh, the Kingsman trailer dropped the other day. That looks quite fun again. Does, does look really good. Uh, Aretha Franklin biopic that's come out with Jennifer Hudson. That was originally supposed to come out this summer, but they've pushed that back. Um, Yeah, yeah, it could be interesting. Another one, which, um, again, I'm not too sure what I think of this one yet. It seems like he's typecast of these kinds of films, but Gerard Butler's appearing in a film called Greenland. Yeah, I saw is... the trailer to that, and I'm not... Yeah. I was just kind of like... Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know, it's... I just watched the trailer, and I, was, I wasn't hyped. I, it's, I, it, yeah. it's sort of been done now, hasn't it, really, as a post-apocalyptic thing? Uh, um, <laughs> so I'd... It's one I'd probably watch, like, if I was sort of, you know, late at night, yeah, I'll flick it on Netflix sort of thing, but I wouldn't rush yeah. to see it. Yeah, even but if it's if comes you're out into cinema, that, uh, I'm like, nah, I'll give it a miss. If you're into that sort of thing, you know. And the best thing I've seen this week is probably the teaser trailer for uh, Soul, which is the new Pixar movie. That does look really good. It's supposed to be coming out, I think, this month, and obviously due to COVID, it's been pushed back as well. Um, but it looks great. Um, it looks like a good homage to soul music mm. and the animation on it while Pixar are just they're like top of the range aren't they so definitely looking forward to that one coming out when it eventually arrives um but yeah that's it for this week thank you Lana and Lewis for giving me your picks for underrated movies I think they were there's some good choices in there yeah Batman vs Superman even though it's not amazing Lewis you know I think it's definitely worthy of being underrated because it's not as bad as people say it is. 100%. And I look forward to trying out Showgirls at some point. <laughs> and with Nell and I, I'll add that one to the list as well. Mm. And watch Eurovision again? Not, not just yet, <laughs> mate. I said I'll give it a couple of years. <laughs> but, um, yeah, thank you uh, for listening again this week. Thank you, guys. We... Um, Appreciate you taking your time out. And we look forward to seeing you in episode three where we will be discussing a Disney-related topic. Thanks.